worship him. And, you know, um, we, we are especially reminded of our purpose today, right? That is just to glorify him and in every way with our sincere open hearts, right? So um, today, Stephanie is out, and um, we just need to lift her up in prayer because she's pretty irreplaceable. <laughs> so um, we're just going to just believe for her to be totally restored and back with us next week. Amen. And um, we just want to praise the Lord. Why don't you all um, start and, and pray with me today? Lord, we love you, Jesus. We want to honor you and bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have a word prepared for our hearts that you do not want us to miss. And um, even now, Lord, we're just opening our hearts to receive what you have, Lord. And we just ask that your word would find good ground today, Jesus, that we would not leave the same way that we came in. And, and we thank you, Lord, that you are, are speaking to us continually for, um, so that we will we'll be transformed into your image, Lord, and that we will look more like you and sound more like you in Jesus' name. And um, we thank you for these things. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I, I do have some bandmates. I sure do. So I'm rather reluctant to play without them, I have to say. <laughs> I might go fetch them. They'll be fine with Carissa. They'll be fine. Oh, my God, I forgot to take them. <laughs> I worked them really hard during practice, so they need a little coffee after all that. <sighs> this is a first. I have never played the piano and sang at the same time, so y'all going to have to sing. You're going to have to stand up and just worship Jesus because it's not. it was never a performance, and I guarantee you today is not one. So uh, just join me. Please stand up. I can't stand today, but uh, we're going to enjoy the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Let's sing, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on. 
aroused. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, get us in.
your fire today, Jesus. Hallelujah. For power to walk this world in white. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Kristen, why don't you help us? Sings my soul, my Savior God. 
thank you, Lord. All of my days I will worship you.
you just lift your voice and tell him, Lord, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Liz, why don't you come on up? Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. I'm just so grateful and thankful for the word of the Spirit. You know, that's a that's a, something that happens in churches where, Jenny, you're back. We're so happy. She's been sick for a real long time. Bless you. Yeah, absolutely. The Lord will speak to us. And out of, out of the, the depths of your innermost being, the Holy Spirit flows out. Thank you for that word, Brother Fred. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us this morning. You know, if, if you're having a, a difficulty in your life, okay, so I don't care what it is. I care what it is. I always say that. I do care what it is. But it doesn't matter what it is. The same thing will work no matter what the issue is that you're going through, if you are baptiz baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, start speaking in tongues every time you think about it. Do it all the time. Now, you know, we don't just sit around and speak in tongues in church without an interpreter because that would just be chaos. But I'm talking about when you're on your own, when you're driving down the street, when you're doing your dishes, when you're by yourself, when you're, you know, whatever. Speak in tongues every time you think about it. If you don't know where to turn it for a certain um, situation in your life, if you don't know what to do about a certain sickness that you've got or a, a, a decision that you have to make or a need that you have, speak in tongues. And if you're not baptized in this Holy Spirit, just, just start saying every time you can, Lord, have your will in my life. 
Lord, thank you for your will in my life. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. And also ask the Lord for that gift because the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a tool in your life that Jesus said that, that people needed so much that he said, after I've gone back to heaven to his disciples, go to Jerusalem and stay there until you receive the power that I'm going to send you. And it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need that. We need him. It's not a that. It's a him. We need him in our lives. And he will guide you. So ask, 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 believe, declare. You know, the word says if you, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean he's going to give you a Lamborghini. What that means is when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you desires for your heart so that your heart desires the things that God wants you to desire. And if you desire the things that God wants you to desire, and you're believing for that, and you're asking for that, and you're trusting for that, your life has nowhere to go but amazing places. I am telling you that every one of you have a plan for your life. I don't care how old you are or how young you are in this place. I don't care if you're a male or a female. I don't care if you're employed or unemployed or retired. I don't care if you're alone or with somebody, if you're married or single. That is not the issue. The issue is that if you have turned your life over to God and you are saved and he has taken away your sins and changed you, you are a new creation and he has a plan for your life and he will help you to walk it out. And if you can't find it, ask. Thank him for it. Declare it when the, the, the thought comes to you. Oh, no, everybody else maybe, but you, you, my friend, just admit it. You're a loser. That is not God's voice. And you can just say, I do not receive that. Lord, I receive your promises. And you, get yourself some. Go to the book of Psalms. Go to your Bible. Start reading your Bible, Old and New Testament at the same time. If you have to do one chapter from each, it doesn't matter. Start reading the word and let the Lord speak to you through the living word of God. The word of God is active and powerful, and it will change your life. It's not just a book. It's the word. I don't understand how this works, but, but my word tells me that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's talking about Jesus. How does that all tie in together? I don't know, but I don't have to know for it to be active and living in my life. And I don't care what's happening because every one of us, myself and pastor included, go through some deep waters sometimes, pretty much on a daily basis. You're going you're gonna to face some stuff that's not easy. You're going to go through some stuff that's difficult. And you're going to have to stand up and walk with God by the, an act of your will and say, Lord, I don't get what's going on. Maybe I don't even just totally understand it at all, but I am going to walk through this with you. I trust you for every footstep, for every thought, for every word, for every decision. In the name of Jesus and our, the word of God says that if you do that, he will guide you. He will guide you. Not maybe. 
not if, if you said enough Hail Marys today, not if you read enough chapters today, not if you prayed long enough today. He's not interested in checking off boxes. He wants you for his very best friend, every last one of you. You know, we talk about being servants of God, and I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not preaching, I'm going to pray. We talk about being servants of God, and I'm telling you, we are not servants of God. And I'm going to tell you why, and you're going to understand that I'm right. We are servants of each other. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. And there's a difference between a servant and a son and daughter. Not only that, but not only are we his sons and daughters, we are betrothed to Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are his fiancés, whether you are a male or a female. And I know that may be hard to understand for some of the guys, but, you know, us women have to deal with the thing about the Bible saying you are sons, and that's talking about us too, so it goes both ways. God is good. He is good in your life. He is good in your family. He is good in this world. That's another thing. We need to stop standing aside and saying, wow, I guess the devil's taken over. Put on your seatbelt. We're going for a ride. I'm saying when those thoughts come to me, I say, Lord, I do not receive that. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I do not receive that all these terrible things that they're, that they're saying are going to happen are going to happen. And I, I would just like to invite you to join with me that every time those thoughts come up saying, I do not receive that. Lord, I just declare that every promise in the book is true. I just declare for and I stand for the freedom that this country was founded on in the name of Jesus. And I declare that it will not end and that the, the evil one will not have his way in this country or this world in Jesus' name. We do not have to stand aside and let that happen. If, if there's anybody that's going to stand in the gap and keep it from happening. It has to be the church of Jesus Christ. And if we're not willing to be a little bit um, inconvenienced, to pray a little bit more, or to declare a little bit more, or to, to do a little bit more in the spirit realm, this is where we fight. Our, our weapons are not carnal, but they are spiritual. And they will pull down strongholds. If there's ever a time when we needed to pull down strongholds, it's now. In the, in the, in the, um, the heavenlies, the, the governmental strongholds, don't, don't be deceived. This is all coming from the evil one. It wouldn't matter if, if somebody that's doing all this stuff died off. It's not coming from them. It's coming from the evil one, the devil, and, and the demons, and the, the wicked realm that wants to destroy mankind and the earth. And we are here now at this time for a reason. It's our time. God put us here at this time for a reason. The Bible says so. Our times are in his hands. And we are here now and we are responsible and we have the privilege of standing up for our country and our world. We are citizens of the world. We, because God made us people and put us on, in the world right at this time. We don't have to have a, a card that says we're citizens somewhere. We live here. That makes us citizens here in the world. And we can stand up for the world and declare over it in Jesus' name.
and we need to. And what a privilege. What a privilege. What a privilege to stand up for the people in your family that are a mess. God put you there on purpose to stand up for your family. Stand up with me this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege of serving you. I thank you, Lord, that you have made us more than servants. You have made us sons and daughters. I thank you, Lord, that we are betrothed to the lover of our soul, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for your word and for the presence of the Holy Spirit, that you are with us at every moment and that you have answers to every issue. And, Lord, I pray for each one this morning, those that are battling sickness, those that are battling depression, those that need to make decisions and don't know what to do, those that don't even know the questions, much less the answers. Lord, I just pray that you would give every one of us guidance and deliverance. Lord, I just pray that you would deliver us from, from the inability to forgive things from the past that have haunted us. And we've, we've said, I forgive, and they keep coming back. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Jesus that that would be stopped. Lord, we loose those things from our soul in Jesus' name. I want you to say that with me. Lord, I loose unforgiveness from my soul. I loose the pain of what's happened in the past from my soul in Jesus' name. I let it go. And I just declare that the, the things of God are the things that my soul desires and will focus on in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive me. Thank you, Lord, that, that even I have hurt people, other people have hurt me. Lord, forgive us all. Help us, Lord, to walk in love. Help us, Lord, to walk in wisdom. Help us to walk in victory in Jesus' name. Lord, and I pray that if there's one soul here, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in such a way that they would understand your great love and what they have in you. And I thank you for it, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to bless our pastor as he comes to speak, Lord, that you would anoint every word, every thought, every direction that he goes in this morning, and that you would touch our hearts and our ears and help us, Lord, to be changed by your precious Holy Spirit as we all gather together and honor you, Lord, as a group. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Liz. Man, she's on fire, right? Tell you what. I don't know. Are you happy? It's good to see everybody here today. There's a fellow named Dan back there. I can remember his name because I know somebody with that name. Welcome, Dan. Welcome. Let me see who else. Usually I get a list of people. No, Tam that's Tammy's brother. So, and Tammy is the wife, the wife of the good-looking drummer up here. Let's see. Good to see Pam back. It's good to see Brandon and Jenny's back there. Yeah. You guys have been out for a while. Have you been ill for a bit? Well, we're happy that you're back, and you're feeling better. Good. Amen. Praise the Lord for the victory. Hallelujah. How many got your roofs back on your house? 
How many still don't have a roof on your house? Well, not a repaired roof. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for a shift in their situations, for favor, for release, in the name of Jesus. How, ma let, how many of you need, you need some divine intervention in your situation with the storm? All right, I think we all sort of do, don't we? So, Lord, I pray right now that you will intervene on a personal basis with each and every person who's having a struggle getting their needs met. May they receive favor from those who are trying or are obligated to help them and release so that, the, so that they can be back to normal quickly in Jesus name and Lord I pray for this church too I pray Lord that you will open up provision so that this church doesn't have to struggle the way it is right now for an indefinite period of time release and open up we pray in the name of Jesus over this church and all the people in it for health issues break off those nagging health things in the name of Jesus and for families that need help. We break off the devourer in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. All right, grab hold of something and let's lay hands on it, declare over it. You know what? We've been laying hands on our tithe envelopes and stuff like that. It wouldn't hurt if you'd just grab your spouse's hand and pray over them, too, that God will release something amazing in their life, too. Because if he does that for them, it'll help you. Amen? <laughs> God blesses them with favor. Guess who benefits? Fringe benefit. You are a fringe benefit. <laughs> As we receive today's offering, I'm believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, for raises and bonuses, for benefits and salaries and commissions, for favorable settlements, for estates and inheritances, for interest and income, for rebates, returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease and blessings increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of our financial needs that we may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Would you come and give in Jesus' name? This is for your loose change for the building fund. Come, come and give in Jesus' name.
Hey, what do you think about Carol over there on that keyboard singing? Yeah. Man. We didn't know you could walk and chew gum at the same time. That's amazing. Thank the Lord. Wow. Hey, pray for Stephanie. She's going through the struggle. How many of you have had that thing where you, you, you feel sick, then you start to feel good, and you do something, and then all of a sudden you're back down? You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's what she's struggling with. So, Lord, we just pray for Stephanie right now that you will raise her up and give her a touch, and we break off this thing that's bugging her that it will leave and never come back again, ever, ever, ever. And on the folks in this room as well who are struggling with the same thing, we take authority over that, and we, take, we command it to be loosed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, children's church. Oh, pray for the altar. <coughs> Come on, Dan. Snap out of it, right? Hmm? What, what today? We can still have it. We can, it can still happen. It can still happen if we have some people. Where's Thomas? Maybe you can work that out. Some people know what I'm talking about. Some don't. Lord, thank you for the providence and the provision that you pour out in our lives. I pray right now for a divine release of your provision upon everyone who has given today. Take this, multiply it, May it be sufficient and more than enough. May there be 12 baskets or 7 baskets left over in Jesus' name. Because that's how you do things. You're an extravagant God. You said you'd supply our needs according to your, your riches, not according to our needs. So, Father, I pray for a release this morning for everyone who is given. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Children's Church is getting ready to move in the next room. Look at these amazing people. Wow. <coughs> Moms and dads, don't be discouraged. It won't last forever, and you'll wonder where in the world did the time go. Dolores, hi. How are you? Have you been back there the whole time? My eye just caught you right now. It's good to see you. Oh, my goodness. <coughs> what memories we have of the olden days, right, Dolores? Mm-hmm. God is good, isn't he? Do you ever think you'd be talking? Oh, I'm glad to see DeAndre's mama with us today. How about that? Sybil, good to see you. It takes me a little while for the computer to catch up with the character recognition, but I do, I do get it. Amen. I don't know what I was talking about. Is this your, this has got to be your son, right? Because he, he, he looks just like you, Daddy. Welcome. Where are you from? You're a Michigander. Where's Hudsonville near? Oh, you know where that is? 
how about that? How many Michiganders we have in the place? We got a bunch of us, aren't we? Well, welcome here. Thank you. Thank you for coming down and getting warm. Are you going to move here? Oh, no, no. God bless you. Thank you for spending the day with us. We're happy. We're blessed. Amen. What's your first name again? Patrick. St. Patrick. Amen. All right, we're all saints, aren't we? So he's St. Patrick. There you go. <coughs> Hallelujah. All righty. You got a Bible with you? All right. Open to the book of Judges. The book of Judges. How many of you ever feel kind of insignificant? You know what I mean by insignificant? Like you don't really matter? Ever, does anybody feel like that? Oh, you all feel like you matter. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you do. <laughs> but secretly, how many have ever thought of it? Right? Yeah. Oh, there's DeAndre now. Mama's over there. Daughter's over there. <laughs> that little girl is growing so fast. I don't know what you're feeding her, but, man, she's growing. She's feeding her? Wow, she's getting all the protein in the family. Well, <clears throat> there was a guy, a lot of guys, but this particular one, who felt pretty insignificant in the book of Judges, chapter number 6. <clears throat> and you know the story. Thank you, Thomas. You're the man. You are the man with the plan. Wow. He knows how to read minds and sign language and, and read lips. See, that's why it's important to have your spouse who is your help meet because she thinks of things that slipped right past me. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, men, that we have them, right? And ladies, it's a good thing you have us too. It's a, we need each other. So Gideon was one of these guys who felt really insignificant. Now... <coughs> There is, there, is a, there is a difference between being humble uh, uh, and not being arrogant, but there's also something uh, about feeling inferior when you shouldn't feel inferior. You know, you can get to where you feel sorry for yourself. So watch this, watch this little conversation go, going on here between, Nick, between uh, uh, Gideon and God. Now, you know, there... It's kind of interesting because they had this interesting conversation between each other, but wouldn't you love to have an opportunity to have a conversation with God? <coughs> and if you did, would you talk to him the way Gideon did? I don't know. <coughs> but a lot of times, you're having a conversation with him and you don't even know it. You know that? So it, when, when I discovered something a while back, that when I talk to God and he answers me back, I know what his voice sounds like. Do you know what his voice sounds like? His voice sounds like just like mine. Or you. When he talks to you, he'll, he'll come to you in a voice that you recognize. Isn't that an interesting thing? Do you know the most important word in anyone's vocabulary? Do you know what the most important word is to everybody in this room? 
the most important word in your world is your name. There's just something about your name. When mom and dad said your name, right? When, when your wife or husband says your name, your kids, there's something about your name. It's the most important word in your vocabulary. God knows that. So when he talks to you, he's going to talk to you in a voice that you're most familiar with. And it's your voice. Now, it's not the way you hear your voice on a tape recording. Have you ever heard your voice on a recording? I don't like it. Do you? I mean, I'm talking about not yours. I'm talking about mine. I listen to it and I go, oh, my goodness, does that really, really sound like? But when he talks to me, he doesn't talk to me like a recording. He talks to me the way I'm used to hearing it. Now, that's important because when Gideon was talking to God, I believe that Gideon was hearing a conversation just like he will converse with you. And he will talk to you if you will listen. He'll tell you stuff that you didn't come up with on your own. Amen. He really will. Now, Liz, you know, she's not here, so I can talk about her, but she's just about ready to preach my sermon. And I'm sitting back there going, stop it. <laughs> but she wouldn't stop. Anyway, so go to ver verse 11 of chapter 6. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained to Joash, and the, uh, jo unto Joash the uh, Ahabazite, and his son Gideon thrashed wheat by the winepress to hide from the Midianites. So here's Gideon thrashing wheat in a wine press. Now, isn't that a fascinating thought? He was thrashing wheat, which, what do you make out of wheat? But he was doing it in a wine press, which is where you're supposed to make. Now, there's something there. Think about that. That's a Selah moment. He was thrashing wheat in a wine press because he was afraid of the Midianites because the Midianites were a foreign group of people that were invading the land of Israel and so the the Israelites had to do kind of things they had to do things stealthly so that the enemy wouldn't find him so if he would have been out in the open thrashing wheat where somebody would have seen him the Midianites were known for coming in and stealing everything from him so he was trying to be careful <coughs> from that. So he's thrashing wheat in a wine press. Wrong place to be doing what he was doing, nevertheless. You know, it's trying to like, to, they say there's an expression, to a man with a hammer, everything is a nail. Have you ever heard that expression? So he's trying to, he's trying to put a square peg in a round hole because I don't suppose it would really be too easy to thrash wheat in a wine press, nevertheless. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So here we've got this guy who's hiding because he's afraid. And an angel shows up. Now, listen, if an angel showed up, it might scare the bejeebers out of you, whatever bejeebers are. But that alone would have scared him. He's already scared of the Midianites. And this angel shows up and says, 
The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, now here's where the conversation begins. And Gideon says to the angel, verse number 13, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen on us? That's a pretty, that's a pretty common question. Uh, when God starts to give us a promise, we always say, why? Why? Why me? Why did this happen to happen? Why did this happen to, why did this have to happen to me? Is, have, you, have you ever heard people say that before? I'm sure you haven't heard it. But there are people that say, why did it happen, happen to them? They were such a nice person. And so a lot of times we pray to God and we say, God, why did you have to do it to them? As if to say, there are other people you should have done this to. <laughs> That's the implication in what we're saying, even though we may not ha know it consciously. But <clears throat> this is the thing about human nature is we always wonder why, why, why? Because it just seems unfair. Doesn't it seem unfair? Why does this always have to happen to me? Must be Murphy's Law. Have you ever heard people talk about that? You know what? You, you and I need to change the way we talk. A lot of times we talk ourselves into defeat. Quit saying things like that. There is no such. There are people named Murphy. I had an accountant named Murphy. So I know there's people named Murphy, but there's no such thing as Murphy's Law. Forget about it, all right? And there's no such thing as bad luck. Bad luck? Well, there is bad luck. You know what it is? The devil has had bad luck with Friday the 13th ever since Jesus died on Friday the 13th. And he has had bad luck ever since. So good for him. The root word of luck is Lucifer anyway. So good for him. What's bad luck for him is good for me. Hallelujah. Because <clears throat> that's when... My sins were taken away. So I live in victory every day. You know, I was born on Friday the 13th. <coughs> it's been a good day for me ever since. <coughs> Do you know that? So don't let anybody. But Gideon says, why then has all this evil befallen us? And where are the miracles of our fathers? Where are the miracles that used to happen to our fathers that... Uh, Fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring you up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Did you catch that? Now Gideon is saying, Why isn't it like the good old days when, our, when God rescued the people, our relatives, out of Egypt and did all these amazing things? Why doesn't anything like that happen today? Well, let's rewind the tape and go back to those days of Egypt. They were a bunch of cantankerous, old, rebellious Israelites who didn't want to obey God when they were delivered. Do you understand that? They were as ornery and as miserable as you can get to where God finally said to Moses, I've had it with this bunch. You remember that? And Moses said, oh, God, you can't do that. These are your, these are your people. And Moses talked God into having mercy on them. That, you just read it. You'll find it out. So what Gideon saw as the good old days, really back in those days, they weren't so good. They were just, he was a relative of some cantankerous old people from that day, and he carried it on into his day. So, you know, when you think about the past as the good old days in the past, how many remember about the olden days? They weren't all that great. Were they? 
They were miserable. There were problems back then, just like there's problems right now. But what we do know is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that delivered that bunch of ornery people will deliver the current ornery people, of which we might be part of, right? So Gideon is saying, why couldn't it be like the good old days? And an interesting thing about God in this conversation through the angel of the Lord is, you know, God never addresses your question with the answer the way you're asking the question. Watch how God answers and responds. Well, first of all, first, God's first response to Gideon was, God is with you, you mighty man of valor. And then he starts to whine like a, like a sissy. And God called him a mighty man of valor. Why would God do that to a guy who is so down on himself and, and down on everything else? Why would God call him a mighty man of valor? Do you have any ideas why? Because God knows your future. And he sees you according to what his desire and plan is for your life. He sees you the way he designed you to be, but all you can see yourself as is how miserable you are right now. So you need, you, and I say royal, the royal you. I'm talking about me. I need to see myself the way he sees me instead of the way I see me. I see me as, why does it have to be this way? Why does everything always happen to me? Why does all, everything bad always have to, happen to, have to happen to me? But God sees you as the victorious person that he created you to be from the very beginning. He has a plan for us. We're living beneath it. We're falling short of the glory, see, but while we were sh falling short of the glory, you know what, the God, what God calls falling short of the glory? Sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But while we were yet sinners, that's when he died for us. While we were falling short, he died for us. To bring us back up to where we ought to be. So God doesn't answer him according to his negativity. God says to him, the Lord looked on him and said, Go in this thy might. Well, he was just answering. He was just talking to the Lord very defeated, in a defeatist mentality. And God is responding to him. You mighty man of valor, go forward in this your might. He's answering in completely opposite of the way he's acting. Are you catching this? Why? Because when you think well, so here, let me just show you something real quick. Let me put a bookmark here so I don't lose my place. Uh, here's my bookmark. Go with me real quick to the New Testament and go to the book of Colossians. This is actually my text for today, the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number uh, 3. Colossians 3, verse number 1. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now watch this. Where is Jesus right now? 
He's seated at the right hand of God. So his perspective is a lot different than our perspective. Now, the Chinese just floated a balloon over the U.S. this last week. Unbelievable. They float a balloon over, and we can't figure out what to do with the silly balloon. But here's the deal. They floated that thing up there higher than the jet stream, so it wouldn't interfere with the airplanes. But they had a perspective of the United States because they were spying on us. They had all kinds of equipment, and they were looking down on us, and they were able to get a perspective of the whole lay of the land. They could see everything that was going on down here. Did you know that? Because they were looking at us from a different point of view than we are looking at us. They could see a lot more detail than we can see. Now, God's perspective of you is from a different vantage point. He is seated at the right hand of God. Now, God's not a Chinese spy. I'm not trying to, you know, I, I know the analogy is a little goofed up here, but he sees you from a different vantage point. See, and he can see not just you, but he sees the whole situation. He sees the whole dynamic and how it all works together. And so his perspective of things is a lot different from your perspective because all you are is you're down here looking at things that are right in front of you and you don't have the perspective. So what you and I need to do is this. We need to change our vantage point. We need to discover that we, that are as he is, so are we in life. We just found out where he is, right? He's at the right hand of God. So as he is, so are we. You and I need to start looking at and per getting perspective on our situation from the throne point of view. From the throne's point of view. God's throne's point of view. But Gideon wasn't like that. But see, God was seeing it from one perspective. Gideon's looking at it from another perspective. And God says to him, back there in Judges again, he says, go in this thy might, because God sees the end from the beginning. And he says, thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And Gideon, his response to God is back into that old negative perspective. Isn't it funny how we have such a hard time getting out of our rut? We start out with the, why me? Why does everything bad always happen to me? And then he says this in verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall you I save Israel? How in the world do you expect me to save Israel? How in the thunder do you expect me to do anything about this I'm a nobody from nowhere <laughs> well he didn't say it that way he said behold my family is poor in Manasseh now <clears throat> remember the 12 tribes of Israel there was there was uh, uh, Reuben Simeon Levi Judah Issachar Zebulun Benjamin Dan Naphtali Gad Asher and Joseph but the Levites were taken out of the 12 because they were supposed to be the priest family. So that meant instead of 12, you've only got 11. 
So what God did is he took Joseph. Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And God said, okay, I'm going to take Joseph's two sons. We'll take Joseph out of the mix, and we'll make Ephraim and Manasseh part of the 12. So now you've got, you take 12 minus the Levites minus Joseph. So now you're down two. Stick in Ephraim and Manasseh. So now you've got your 12 again. And so, so we've got Gideon here saying, I'm a poor person from the tribe of Manasseh. He said, I'm the low man on the totem pole. I don't amount to a hill of beans. I'm poor. Nobody knows me. I'm a nobody from nowhere. How in the world do you expect me to save Israel? <laughs> I am the least, in, and not only that, but I'm the least in my father's house. I'm a nobody from nowhere, and I'm even the lowest man on the totem pole in my house. How many... How many of you ever felt like that? All your brothers and sisters, they get treated different than you. Anybody feel that way? Yeah, you don't want to admit it because, because you already feel bad enough. And you know what? Here's what God does. He answers him from the throne. He answers his, he answers his meager little uh, argument from the throne of God. And he said, I will be with you. The Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you. Don't worry about it. Because a zero, Reinhard, Reinhard Bonnke preached a sermon called a Zero, that he was a zero. And he told about how in his family he was a zero. But he said, if you take a zero and you put one God next to it, all of a sudden you don't have a zero anymore. You could be a whole bunch of zeros. But you put God in front of it, and all of a sudden, it's not a zero anymore. Amen? So God plus you, you're not a zero anymore. So God says, surely I will be with you, and you will smite the Midianites as one man. Pretty cool, huh? You, one man, will smite the Midianites. And, uh, and he said unto him, if so... so Here's Mr. Negativity again. He answers God's positivity with, well, if now I have found grace in thy sight, show me a sign that thou talkest with me. You know, some people aren't satisfied. And it wasn't just one time that he asked God for a sign. So the angel shows up, consumes his meal, the meal that he prepared for him. That wasn't good enough. I mean, it wasn't good enough that he, an angel appeared and started talking to him. But he needed something else besides that. And then he wasn't satisfied with that. He said, show me another sign. God says, well, what do you want? He said, I'm going to put a piece of fleece out at night, and I want to see if the, if the fleece will be wet from the dew, but all the ground is dry. So God did it for him. And then he goes, oh, well, now wait a minute. That could have happened. That, that might have been a fluke. Let's switch it around the other way. This time I want the ground to be wet and the fleece dry. So God did that for him. See, here, here we are, we're so negative all the time. We're so negative to God. We're, we're negative about ourself. We don't see ourselves from a kingdom perspective. You've got to start looking at yourself from the perspective of the throne. I've got a statement here that I'm going to read so I don't mess it up. And here's what it is. 
Why does your reasoning start with what you don't have? When you have tasted of the supernatural supply, you have lost the right to a thought pattern that starts with what you don't have. You and I, our thinking, our rationale always starts with, well, I don't have this and I don't have that and so it won't work because I'm lacking in so many things. Why is it that that happens? Go with me to the book of Mark, chapter number 8. Mark chapter 8 <coughs> and verse number 17. Now, this is a story where Jesus is talking to, with the disciples. And the disciples and Jesus have just finished a, a um, adventure where they saw God multitude loaves and fishes. Enough, you know, this little guy had a Long John Silver lunch and showed up at a, at a, at a, Bank, at, a, at a preaching meeting there, and Jesus said we, to the disciples, we got to feed these people. They've come all this way, and there's, there's nothing for them to eat. See if you can find something to eat. And they said, we don't have, there's no food here. There's some little kid with a long John Silver. He's got a couple fish and a couple of, what are those little round things you get with them? Hush puppies. He's got, he's got two fish and a couple hush puppies. We can't feed these people with that. <coughs> so I'm trying to give you a story you'll relate to, okay? Because do we still have Long John Silvers around here? Well, I don't know why, because that was pretty good, you know, especially with the vinegar on the fish. Oh, man. Oh, I think we need a fish dinner today. <coughs> but you can't get hush puppies at a restaurant anymore with fish. Have you noticed that? I, but I digress. So... So God, Jesus, takes this little boy's lunch and he takes out the, he takes out the uh, fish and he breaks it in half and he hands it to one of the disciples and then he reaches back into the Happy Meal and he pulls out another fish and breaks it and hands it to another disciple. Then he reaches back in and takes out another fish and hands it to this and he did that to all 12 disciples. And then he did the same thing with the hush puppies. He broke them up and passed them. And, and they, weren't, they didn't see inside the box. They just saw what he was bringing out of the box. And they were going to, uh, how did he do that? Now, they've got all now, they've got a piece of fish and some hush puppies. And he says to the disciples, now I want you to go and start feed. He said, sit, seat the people down in groups and you go and serve each one of the fathers in the families. Set them down in families. And go now and take and do the same thing that I just did for them. And they were going, ay, ay, ay. And so they were a little nervous. So what they did is they took the, the bread and the fish that God had divided up, and they tried it too. And so they broke the piece of fish, and they gave it to this father and broke off a hush puppy and gave it to him. And then they went over to the next family and did the same thing. And then they kept going, and every time they went, there was more fish in their hands. But they told the father in the family, do that, 
and feed your family. And so the father in the, fa- in the group would break it and it would keep multiplying as he fed his family. And multiplication was happening at the hands of the people who were given this supernatural Long John Silver Happy Meal. It was just until when everybody was done, and you, you know how it is in families, the, the, the kids always want to grab the big piece of chicken at the table. You know, and then they take one bite and put it down and there's, they don't eat it all. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, or and it's like, I, I've, been, I've been visiting sometimes, I had a family and they have this nice big meal and you got this little snot-nosed kid that'll take the biggest piece of chicken and then you end up with a wing. <laughs> it's like, this is ridiculous. Why don't these people teach their kids how to be, have more manners? But it, it's, it's always it's the same old story. So back in those days, by the time they were done with the meal, they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. Because you know how kids are. They want more and more, and then they don't eat it. So now you've got leftovers. This is one of the things that was nice about having children. You'll appreciate this. You go to the restaurant. One thing about it is I didn't have to order a lot of food because I got to eat everything that the kids left until Danny started getting big, and then I had competition. So there was this divine multiplication, and it happened to them twice. Once they had 12 baskets left over. Another time they had seven baskets left over. So now the disciples, and I'm, all, I'm telling you the story, but I'm giving you some background. So they're on the boat. They go on the boat, and they forgot to bring lunch along with them. And it says this here in Mark chapter number 8, verse, what did I say? 17. Well, let's jump back to verse number 14, all right? Because you'll get the story a little better. Now, the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. So they had one loaf in the ship, one loaf of bread. That should have been good enough. If they would have just remembered what happened to them a couple of days ago, right? You don't need more than one loaf. But here, I want you to catch this principle. And so, he charged them saying, he charged them saying, Jesus said, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they didn't hear what he said. They heard what he said, but he didn't hear what they said. It's like my wife when she talks to me. She'll be telling me this big, long thing. And then she'll say, you didn't hear a word I said, did you? And I'll go, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure I did. Well, what did I say? Be- have you ever had that problem? <clears throat> I don't understand it. It's because I, was th- I got thinking about something else, right? So Jesus charged them. He said, beware of the leaven of, fa- the, of the Pharisees and beware of the, the leaven of Herod. And they, in verse number 16, they reasoned among themselves and they said, he, he must be getting on our case because we didn't bring enough food. That's what they said. It's because we have no bread. But they, didn't, but they did have bread, right? They have one loaf. And Jesus, when he knew it, he said unto them, and here's the, here's the real thing that you want to focus on. Why reason ye because you have no bread? Why does your Reasoning always have to begin with what you don't have. 
Why is it that believers, even believers, their reasoning always starts with what they don't have instead of what they do have? Because they did have something, didn't they? They did have one loaf. And they had just seen those loaves and fishes multiplied at their own hands. Why was it that they couldn't maintain that glory on their life indefinitely? Well, they finally did. It took them a while because you remember Peter and John were on their way to the temple one day to pray, and they met this fellow who was like 36 years old who had never walked in a, d a day in his life. He'd grown up from infancy as a cripple. So he, he, was, a, he was a full grown man, but he was all scrawny and deformed because his muscles had never been used. He hadn't walked in 36 years. So you know what happens to muscles? They atrophy and there aren't any muscles. They're just bone. And so here he's this crippled guy who's never had any weight on his legs, no muscle, and he's begging. Well, so if he's been there for 36 years, begging every day at the temple, Peter and John had probably passed by him dozens and dozens of times because they, they went every day to pray at the temple. So this wasn't the first rodeo. They knew, they probably knew this guy's name. Amen? There's, there's a couple of homeless people that live in the woods around here. I know their names because I talk to them. I have to kind of, you know, encourage them in some ways. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? Well, so, so it wasn't the first time they saw this guy, but up until this point, they didn't realize their reasoning. Every time they saw him sitting at, at the temple, their reasoning always started with what they didn't have. And so this day on their way to the temple, this guy reaches out to him and says, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. He's got a little cardboard sign that says, you know, whatever they say on their little cardboard signs, only it was written in Hebrew. Just kidding. And so Peter and John said to him, <coughs> silver and gold have we not. So they realized what they didn't have, but, they remembered, yeah, we were in the boat. We didn't have what we thought we had, but we did have something. So they said, we don't have any silver and we don't have any gold, but we realize that we do have something. Such as I have, they said, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, instead of their thinking, beginning with what they didn't have, their thinking started with what they did have and they caused a miracle to happen in such a way that a person who had never ever, do you understand that when you haven't walked for a while, if you've been in the hospital, you have to go to therapy, physical therapy, and learn how to walk again? Did you, you knew that, right? How then does a person who's never walked a day in their life all of a sudden jump up on his feet and it said he went walking and leaping and praising God, ran all the way into the temple. Can you imagine that? He must have looked like a skeleton, right? Unless God grew instant muscle on him, which he could have done if he, you know. So here's this guy, and everybody in the temple knew who he was. 
let's just say his name was Alvin or something, okay? So here comes Alvin running into the temple, jumping up and down, and they're going, ay, 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 what's going on here? It's because the, finally the disciples changed their perspective of thinking instead of what they didn't have. Oh, like, remember his name, Gideon? Oh, we just, how in the world? This can't happen to me. I don't have anybody. I'm a nobody from nowhere. I don't know how to do nothing. God can't use me. Why, I'm a failure. I'm no good. Knock it off. Because as he is now, you, you, want, you want the scripture for that? I think it's in, I think it's in uh, um, Romans chapter 5. Look at, look at it. Romans chapter 5, verse number, uh, where did it go? 17. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. You reign, you shall, you're not just going to rule and reign in the sweet by and by, but you reign in this life. To reign means to be in charge of or command of or ruler over, and you reign in this life. So quit starting with what you don't have and don't question why don't let your reasoning start with what you don't have. <clears throat> remember Adam and Eve? Of course you don't remember them because you never met them, but you remember the story about them, right? Adam and Eve, their perspective never started with what they didn't have because they didn't know that they lacked. Adam and Eve did not know what they didn't have. To the degree, they didn't even know they didn't have any clothes on. They didn't know anything about lack. All they knew is that they walked with God in the Ruach of the day. And as far as they were concerned, they had everything. They didn't worry about it. They, knew, they didn't even worry about God supplying for them. He just did. And that was their way of life. They didn't know anything about lack. That's how God wants us to live. But Satan has so goofed up our brains that all we think about is what we don't have instead of what we do have. You know? You're mature enough to put all the dots together on this. You and I have a lot more going for us than we have going against us. And, and even if you can't think of what those things are, just begin to think from heavenly perspective because as he is, so are you. You're seated at the right hand of God. So start looking at your situation from that perspective instead of from this perspective. Understand that? You guys got any of those little sugar ants in your house? Have you ever seen them? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you aren't going to admit it. We don't have those in our house. You know, <coughs> in Michigan... Where I grew up, if a person had a cockroach in their house, they were filthy people. Isn't that right? Now, if you don't have a cockroach in your house, well, because they show up out of nowhere, don't they? We have a pet lizard. We didn't want him, but he showed up out of nowhere. 
And I'll tell you what, ever since that little lizard lives under our sink, we don't have any more. <laughs> he's, he's always fat and sassy. But I said all that to say that the perspective of an ant, the perspective from a, of an ant of the world is a pretty tiny little perspective, isn't it? He's, he's got a very, he lives in a huge world, and you and I look down at those little ants from a perspective that is much, much larger than theirs. Now, I know this is a very feeble example, but that's how God looks at your problems. You think you got problems? They're not problems from God's perspective. Amen? You don't know what you have. Because he, like Liz was saying today, you used to be servants, but now he's called you sons. And not only that, but you are betrothed to him. And if you look at the book of the Revelation, it says, the wife hath made herself ready. It doesn't say the bride anymore. It says the wife hath made herself ready. Do you understand where God sees you is from a perspective that's far and away beyond where you think you live? Now, so if you can somehow get that into your, into your consciousness, go to the book of Galatians. Did I ever read Mark to you? I did? Okay. <clears throat> Go to Galatians. Let's see. I was a good boy today. I put bookmarks in here. But the problem is I got so many bookmarks. There is such a thing as overkill, right? So I'm just going to look it up the old-fashioned way. I could just give it to you, but I want to read it to you. So Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6, and this is verse number 7. Now, you, this is not a new verse to you. Be not deceived, or don't be fooled, or don't be perplexed, or don't live in questioning or wondering. Don't, don't wonder about this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Okay? For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, do you know, it says elsewhere, and I know I have it in my notes, but I'm not going to take time because I see the clock. It says... They that sow to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But they that sow to the Spirit will reap life everlasting. So whatever you sow, that is exactly what you will reap. So don't fool yourself in thinking or don't be deceived or don't live in this delusion that if I sow one thing, I'm going to reap something else. Are you with me so far? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, it's interesting how he puts this language together. Because what he's saying here is that it is mockery, it is mockery, it is mockery of God to think that you can sow one thing and reap something else. 
to think that you could, to think that you and your life and your service for the Lord and sowing into the kingdom will reap anything else but kingdom results is mockery of God. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can say that a little better because I think I wrote it better in my notes. It is mockery to question that I can obey God and not have a reward. How many have been living in obedience to the Lord? Well, you've been striving to do that, right? You're believers, you're living according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Now, if that's how you're living, it is mockery to think that you can question it's mockery to question that you can obey God and live a life like you've been living and not receive a righteous reward. It's mockery of God. Are you following me? Because a lot of times when we read these scriptures, we think them in a negative context. But think of it also in a positive context. If you've been sowing good seed, you're going to reap good things. Hallelujah! And for you not to think that way is mockery of God. Are you catching this? If I'm messing up, you come and talk to me about it later. It is mockery to think that you can live and to think in such a way as not to have the full release of his supply, provision, and, and his touch, touch on his, of his life on yours and his favor on your life. It is mockery to think that I can do something God would not take notice of. Brothers and sisters, Satan would love to try to convince you that you are no good, a nobody from nowhere, trying to get wheat in a wine press and you're a worthless no good when God sees you as a guy who's ready, who's able to deliver the people of Israel single-handedly. And that's, that's what Gideon did, didn't he? Well, he had 300 fellows helping him. But you know... Do you know how hard they worked at this? So the Syrians, or the, the Midianites, I think it was the Syrians at this time, had, had come up against Israel. And they were ready to just, they had thousands upon thousands of well-armed troops, seasoned, trained military people, people who, were, who knew how to fight and who had killed before and didn't have any reluctance about killing again. <clears throat> how many of, well, I better not ask you this. <clears throat> I was going to say, how many of you have ever killed somebody before? <clears throat> I'm not going to ask that question. <clears throat> I've never done that, and I'm sure you haven't either. Unless you're a military person, maybe you had to do that. But I've never had to take somebody's life. And I hope I never have to encounter a situation where I do, okay? But for a person to have done that over and over and over again in a military context, I'm told that you can somehow shut down and become desensitized to doing that. And here is a whole army of people who are well-armed, who know what it's like to kill and who know how to do it and who are strong enough to not have it happen to them. And they are surrounding the nation of Israel. And they are ready to go in and pillage, destroy, rape, kill, 
and destroy the nation of Israel. There's a whole army of these people. <coughs> and Gideon is afraid of them, which makes perfect sense. <coughs> and God is saying, I want you to go after them and defeat them. And he's thinking of all the reasons why he can't because his reasoning starts with what he can't do. But what happens, long story short, is that Gideon and one of his guys sneak down into the camp at night because God told them to. He says, I want you to go down, sneak into the camp, and I want you, you're going to discover something that's going to give you courage. And so while they snuck down into the camp, they overheard a conversation in one of the tents because somebody had left the light on. See, it's supposed to be lights out at 11, but these two guys were talking a little later than that. And they heard one guy woke up his partner and he said, turn that light off. He said, I yeah, but I got to tell you, I just had this dream. I know, I know, but the boss said we're supposed to not have the lights on. You know, in Africa, Liz and I were on a safari, and we were, we were sleeping in a tent in the middle of the Masimara. You know where the Masimara is? It's where they, f it's, do you remember the movie Lion King? Who's, what was his name? The, huh? Mufasa, yeah. So we're in this tent, and we're sleeping, and the, the, gar the, the, guide said now when you go to bed at night there will be lions and there will be elephants that will come around your tent and you, you'll be okay but if you do get afraid and you need some help take your flashlight and shine it on the top of your tent and we will see the light and we'll come and help you so we're, we're laying in bed I've never been this afraid in my life <coughs> I was I was so afraid and <clears throat> you see, I had to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden, we hear this noise outside, and it, it sounds like somebody is just pulling grass up. It's just... <coughs> and what it was, it was elephants. And they were right outside our tent, pulling up the grass and eating it. And, and they would bump up against the tent. And the, the head of our bed, we, we had a wooden bed in this tent. They had it set up really nice. And they're pushing up against the, the head of the bed, and it's moving. And, and I get out my flashlight, and I'm going. <laughs> and, and Liz says, put that light out, put that light out. And I said, see, she says, you're going to attract attention. I said, I know, I'm trying to attract attention. <laughs> I was so scared, and I had to go to the bathroom, but I was like frozen in place. It was really a bad night. And then when the, when the elephants finally left, then you could hear the lions. And I don't know if you've ever heard a lion roar, but they surround their prey. So you hear these lions grunting in all these different directions like this. Ay, 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 it was scary. Anyway, so these two fellows are in their tent, and the one guy has got his light out, you know. He turns on the light because he's scared. I don't know if he was shining it on the roof for the general to come and help him from his nightmare that he had. But his buddy says, put that light out. He says, I just had a bad dream. Well, put the light out and tell me what it was. I just, I had this dream in there. A loaf of bread rolled down the hill and bumped into our tent and knocked the tent over. Well, that is kind of a bad dream, isn't it? <coughs> and the other guy said, you know what that interpretation of that dream is? Because the Holy Spirit gave these two soldiers a divine Holy Spirit revelation of dreams and the interpretation of dreams. <laughs> and the other guy says, you know what it's got to mean? It must be that 
Gideon is the loaf of bread, and he's going to roll down the hill, and he's going to wipe out our army. And you know, that's exactly kind of what happened, because Gideon and his buddies, there were 300 of them surrounding thousands of troops, so they got on, they surrounded, they got up on all the hilltops, all the way around, they, they figured, okay, 300 men, and we've got like two miles, so that's how many, so they paced it all off, and they were equal distance from each other, and they didn't have any weapons. All they had was a flashlight and a cowbell, not really. They had a lamp and a pitcher. So they had a candle and a pitcher. And Gideon said, on my signal, I want you to all light your lamp and break your pitcher. And it will make this eerie sound that will echo down through the valley, and they'll see all these little lights, and it'll trick them. They won't know what's up. And that's exactly what happened. So somewhere maybe around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning when everybody was supposed to be sleeping real good, you know, that's the time everybody's in this deep REM sleep. Gideon gives the signal. He lights his little lamp, and all the guys saw the lamp come on, so they all lit theirs real quick. You could hear these little bicks going. <laughs> and then, after the lamps were on, the they took their pitcher, and they, on the count of three, they all broke their pitcher. One, two, three. <laughs> so you hear this crashing sound. Oh! All the way around and the Midianites came out of their tents and they looked and they saw lights all around they thought oh no the Israelites must have hired other armies to come and defeat us so they jumped up out of their tent in all the in all the confusion and they started killing each other because they didn't know in the dark who was who they just saw somebody coming at them with a sword and the and the while Gideon and his men stood there with their lamps on doing nothing God caused the enemy to kill himself and when they woke up in the morning, everybody was dead. That's how God does something. So you see, Gideon discovered that God can even use nothing or what you think is nothing because he said, Gideon, don't start your reasoning with what you don't have. Start it with what you do have. What did he, do? What did he have? Look at it again. Here's what God's prophetic word was for Gideon, and it's the same prophetic word that he has for you today. He said, you're a mighty man or woman of valor. That's your word for today. It's just the opposite of how you think you are. God sees you as a victorious, mighty person. And then he says, go, go in this thy might. Not only are you a, a valorous person, but now you need to move in faith in the way I see you to be. First of all, understand that's who you are. Second of all, that's how you walk around. Don't walk around like this, all defeated, like Barney Fife. Stand up and put your shoulders back and your chin up and walk around like who you are. Nobody will know. And the devil won't. He'll, he'll think, what is he up to? You know when the devil looks at you, you know who he should see? Jesus. You are in his image, and God does something for you. He gives you the image of Christ. You are to grow up into the fullness of the stature. That's another verse. I've got to hurry. I'll, sh I'll just give it to you, and you can look it up. It's in Ephesians 4.13. We are to grow up in the f into the fullness of Christ so that when we walk around with our head up and our shoulders back, the devil sees Jesus, not us. And you know the only way he knows it's you is if you open your mouth. 
and give it away. So just be still and go in this thy might. And then the next thing he tells him is this. He says, go in this thy might. And then the Lord says in verse number 16, I will be with you. Change your thinking. Change the way you walk. And understand that you're not in this by yourself. But he's with you. Now that's the way you ought to think about your problems. Don't let your thinking start with what you don't have. Think of what you do have. Hallelujah. And, and apply that to every circumstance of your life. I don't care if it's, you know, every time ne negativity came over Gideon's lips, God always answered it with a positive answer. Quit always being so negative about everything. Start speaking from, from the perspective of the throne where you're seated and start talking in victory. See, to the world, when they hear you talking about that, the, the Bible says they're going to think you're crazy because they're carnally minded. So to the carnal man, we talked about this last week, to the carnal man, this kind of talk is foolishness because it's spiritually discerned. That's what the Bible says, right? So these things that we've talked about today are spiritually discerned things. So to the carnal man, he doesn't understand them, nor can he because it's spiritual discernment. So it might seem foolishness, and it might even seem foolish to you at first, but you start doing it enough times, it won't seem so foolish anymore. It'll become a way of life. Liz talked about speaking in tongues. You know, the first time you do it, it might sound a little funny. And you might not think it's real. And you might even think you're contriving it and making it up. But you do it in faith. Because everything we do is in faith. We walk by faith. Not by sight. Not by hearing. Not by feeling. Not by smelling. But pretty soon when you start walking in faith, constantly, it'll become second nature to you. And the Holy Spirit will start revealing things to you. He'll give you answers to things. You don't, have a, you don't know the answer to a question? Ask the Holy Spirit. Give me an answer. And write it down and put the date next to it. And stick it in your Bible or something. And then go back and look at it in two or three months and you'll go, oh, he answered that question and I didn't even remember it. Because he will answer your question. He said he would. Now either he's a liar or he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth. He will be with you. You are a mighty man or woman of valor. Now go in that confidence and realize that you're not doing it alone, but God is with you. Amen? Now, <clears throat> we're going to do things right. We're going to the wine press, and we're going to make wine. And we're going to go to the wheat place, and we're going to get wheat because it's the bread that reminds us of what God did for us on Calvary, and that is the healing of the body. And the blood is the cleansing from our sin. Amen? So we're going to do this now in remembering what he did for us. We're not going to start with what we don't have. We're going to think about what we do have. Amen? So would you come real quick, if you're with somebody and they don't all want to come, grab some for your, for your spouse and for your family, but come and get some communion and take it back to your row. And we're going to just do a remembrance time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, I have received of the Lord that which also was delivered unto me, um, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take and eat this bread. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And why? Because we're remembering that by his stripes we're healed. Did you get a bad one? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to send that to the complaint department. I'll tell Liz. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't want you left out, my Michigan friend. Come and get one. Do you have one for him? Oh, he's got, Dad's got one for you. All right, perfect. So let's open up the bread section. Now, here's the deal, friends. This is something that was given to you before you got here. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. But even while you were yet a sinner, he purchased your healing. He wants you to live in wholeness. He wants you to prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. So this morning, if you've got a physical ailment, Rub this in the devil's, devil's nose. Well, maybe that's not a good thing because then you wouldn't want to put it in your mouth. But you need to rub in the devil's nose that God has healed you. And, and any, the reason why I'm talk, saying devil is Jesus went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is satanic oppression. It's not God trying to teach you a lesson. And you need to live in this victory and not in his defeat. So don't let your reasoning start with what you don't have. Think about what you do have. You have access to healing. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we partake of this, we partake of it in remembrance that we are healed by your stripes. And I pray, Father, that as we partake of this into our bodies, that renewed life and health will return to our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread. Did you get one? Did you get one for him? No, no, you don't have to be sorry. Let's wait. We just took of the bread and we have time. We're supposed to carry one for another, aren't we? You got it? Did did we miss anybody else? All right, so let's open up the other part. So, Jesus' blood is sufficient to take care of all of your sins. He took care of all of your sins before you even committed them. When he died for your sins, all of your sins were still in the future. And he died for them. And his forgiveness of sin doesn't stop 
when you become a believer and then you're on your own from that point on. No. His blood is sufficient. He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to present you faultless. So, Father, as I partake of this, this grape juice, I do this in remembrance of what you did for me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the... Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the encouragement of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you send us forth victorious. Thank you, Lord, that we are seated at your right hand. Thank you, Lord, that we are now we are sons and daughters of God. It doesn't even appear what we will be, but we know when you appear, it, what we are will become apparent too. Lord, may we never, ever do again a thought process that starts with what we lack. But we, may we operate on your abundance. May we be ministers of reconciliation. May we be reconciled to you and the riches of the kingdom. May we be kingdom thinkers in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Good, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You shall bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do will prosper. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God be glory and honor and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a victorious day. We'll see you at 6.30 tonight. Hallelujah.